0: Welcome back to Between Two White Coats, a podcast designed to help you be the healthiest version of yourself.
1: I'm Dr. Michelle Plaster, a family medicine doctor. And I'm her co-host, Amber Foster, a family nurse practitioner. In our combined 30 years in medicine, we've seen a lot. We're discussing key issues surrounding health and wellness, answering some of our
0: biggest questions, overcoming health obstacles, and giving patient-centered advice in hopes of educating you and providing the tools you need to live a healthy life.
1: If you find our podcast helpful, please consider subscribing so you don't miss an episode. And don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and review. This will help other people find our podcast. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to serving you.
0: We are so happy today to have a very special guest. Thank you for joining us. I think that everyone is going to get a lot out of this episode. Today we are joined by Kelly Long. Um, Kelly is going to speak with us on really the finances that come into account with healthcare and well-being. wellbeing. Um, we we want to do this episode because Amber and I recognize first there's not much wellness or health without financial health um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, if you aren't doing well financially, if you um, feel as though you need more guidance in this area, you will be so stressed out, there will be so many things falling apart in your life because of your finances, that that of itself will have an effect on your health. And then there is also a huge financial aspect to healthcare, because it does not really matter the amazing medicines and health resources that are out there if you financially can't access them. And we have in our careers had way too many times where people, we knew there were resources to help people and the people could not financially access those resources. So our focus today is to help overcome those barriers. Um, So we would like to thank you, Kelly, for joining us. And uh, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk about something that's very personally important to me as well as professionally. Uh, Like you said, my name is Kelly Long and uh, professionally I'm a certified financial planner and I'm a CPA with a personal finance specialty and uh, I've spent many years working with everyday people um, through uh, my prior career. I worked for a non unbiased financial wellness company so basically if you had a company that had us as a benefit you could call and talk to a CFP with your money and I had a lot of calls from people who were dealing with surprise medical bills and I have personally dealt with some surprise medical bills and I've made a lot of mistakes with my own health care I live with a genetic blood clotting disorder called Factor V Leiden. I'm actually a homozygous. and real terms, that means I got it from both of my parents. So I'm at a very, very high risk for blood clots. I've had a couple of them. And um, and then I've just had like little things like a little skin cancer spot. I've had some fertility challenges. I had a couple of mis- miscarriages. So I've navigated the medical world from every... Aspect from um, from the financial side, and I'm privileged to be in a position where I can usually pay the bills. But it's never fun to get a four thousand dollar bill for getting your gallbladder out when you realize after the fact you could have paid fifteen hundred. And then to to kind of cap it all, I'm married to a physician, so um, and and so I'm I'm familiar from his perspective what um, what what it's like from the provider. Often doesn't know what they're prescribing or or how the system even works for their patients and they can't even get the answer so the system is broken and there's an effort to fix it but in the meantime i think it's important that we understand how to work within the system in a way that keeps us financially healthy so that we're not so stressed which leads to you know substance abuse and fights and divorce and all kinds of stress related um, aspects and, and it's just all this big circle of health related stuff
0: I so appreciate you saying, and I'm sure that you and your husband have some interesting conversations about the financial aspects of healthcare, but I so appreciate you saying that physicians and, I, and medical providers often don't have a clue that uh, what something is going to cost you. And it's shocking to us. And we um, will grab each other throughout the day. Like most recently, I was like, Amber, I just got a call for a prior off on backdrum. Bactrim is an antibiotic that's been around since the beginning of my career, which feels like (laughs) the beginning of time. And it's a $4 drug at Walmart. I think it's free at certain places. And first, I don't need to do a prior author on an antibiotic because it's gonna take three days and I need you to get that antibiotic today. And it's the cheapest medicine ever. Why isn't insurance paying for it? So, you know, there's so many times where we're shocked or we'll prescribe one medicine to one patient who has a Blue Cross plan and it cost them $25. And then we see Blue Cross plan, but it's a totally different Blue Cross plan. And the patient calls back upset, like, why do you think I have $4,000 for <laughs> to pay for this medicine? We are like, don't. it cost we the don't last don't. person 25. I, didn't, I had no idea it was gonna cost you 4,000. Um, and, and it's frustrating from our aspect as well, because we want people to get access to the things that we know will help them. And there are so many financial barriers to that access. Um, so first let's just jump into, uh, what is the, um, most negative kind of cuss word in our industry? Insurance. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's jump into insurance and- How does it work? Expl- <laughs> explain, explain
2: to us how it actually works, please. Uh. If only we knew. And I, I should you know, issue a disclaimer here that, that most of my knowledge about the actual health insurance industry is from a consumer perspective. And so um, I am working to become an expert on it. But, you know, there's that whole uh, Dunning-Kruger effect where, like, the more you know about something, the more you realize you don't know anything about it. I'm on that upward curve. <laughs> I'm on the downward curve. Like, there was a point where I'm like, I know everything about this. And then I was like, I don't know anything about this. So I, um, you know, there are a lot of resources out there, but I am working to be, um, a go-to person on that. So um, insurance is basically when we all pool our money together to protect against an adverse thing happening. So we have it for our cars, we have it for our houses, we have it for our lives. And those are a lot simpler, generally speaking, than health insurance because it is a billion dollar industry. And nothing boils my blood more than looking at a, a mutual fund that's made up of the, uh, you know, 500 biggest companies in the country, and and the top 10 list is United Healthcare. <laughs> like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, why are they making so much money? Um, and, and so, uh, and uh, the more research that I've done um, on this, though, the the challenge, the the issue is, um, is the health insurance companies, but it's also how the all the behind the scene middlemen stuff go, and the biggest perpetrators of these like. Overwhelming medical bills are the pharmaceutical benefit managers in hospitals, and so understanding how your insurance plan navigates those two things and finding the best way to f- find the providers that work the best with them is is really the kind of holy grail of making the most of this benefit. I personally, um, I, more and more people have deductibles, so let's just jump right into a definition, right? So. If you go to buy car insurance one of the questions they ask you you know there's all these like standard things that are pre-filled in your yeah 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 and if you have a loan they tell you how much car insurance you need so it's not even like this decision it's just what company am i going to buy it from but then one thing you get to decide that makes a big difference is what deductible do you want to pay and the higher your your deductible is the lower your premium and the same thing is true of health insurance and it it actually works the same way that's the money you're going to pay before your insurance helps out with your bills and there's research out there from, I believe, the Kaiser Family Foundation that says that 85% of Americans now have a deductible. And so um, in that case, when you have a deductible and you haven't met it yet, you need to think of your insurance as a discount program. It's like going to Costco or Sam's and get the same stuff that you can get at your grocery store, but for a lesser price. Uh, and you shop around for that stuff and you know when you're going to the discount program, it's going to be a lower uh, a lower price. But we, we, were, we grew up in this world, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, where your insurance just paid for your health care. And that's not necessarily true anymore. Some plans do. And that's the confusing part. <laughs> you know, there's this term called Cadillac insurance. And back in the day, Cadillacs were like the fanciest car, right? So that's supposed to be like the best insurance, the insurance that pays the most health care for you. But where does that money come from? that comes from the premiums that you and I are paying. It's, it comes from the premiums that healthy people are paying and not using their insurance or it's coming from people like me. I pay. So I live in Arizona. I have a healthcare.gov plan, affordable care act compliant. I, my, my bill is 350 a month. (laughs) And just for me, just for me. Yep. I have a $6,700 deductible. And by law, my out-of-pocket maximum is $7,050, which means that once I've spent $750 of my own money, then United Healthcare picks up the bill for everything as long as I stay in network. And so basically, I pay for all my health care. And so I have to look, I shop around. And I think that's when you have a deductible. You have to understand that different hospitals charge different things for the same thing. Like you already mentioned, Walmart charges four dollars for some things, and you can get it for free at other places. Costco's a very—I don't know if you guys have Costco in your area. We do. We're, getting, in and we're getting a new one. <laughs> <laughs> it's big deal. Just don't go on Saturday. <laughs> Just don't go on Saturday. Um, but that—that's often the cheapest place to get prescriptions or the grocery store. You know. Um, How
1: would someone know? Like, let's say your job's offering health insurance, how would they know what their deductible is? Because sometimes I have patients that don't even know. They don't know that there's a deductible for medications and then there's a deductible for other services. And so they're like, well, my deductible is $10,000. Essentially, anything that I order, they're going to be paying for.
2: So how would someone
1: find that information?
2: When you sign up, it's pretty explicitly stated. Oftentimes it's in the title of your plan um uh, so you know i think that the super important point is
0: uh people tend to take for granted and they think insurance is all one size same thing and and they believe that the explanation is the name of the insurance company well i had united last year and i have blue cross this year that's really all you need to know right that's really all i need to know right no that 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 means nothing that really tells you nothing when you have an insurance plan, whether you have shopped and got it yourself or whether your employer has handed it to you, you need to research that insurance plan and know what that means. What do they cover, not cover? What is your cost for a primary care visit or a specialist visit? What is your deductible? What does that mean? What is your drug formulary? The drug formulary is available to you and you need to know how to access it Um, you know, coming back to us frequently, not knowing what we can prescribe for people. And I'll say to patients all the time, well, what's on formulary for you? What's in, um, and we have a formulary checker in our EMR. And I think a lot of electronic systems try to help. It's not perfect. Um, but it'll give us red, yellow, green. And they're smiley faces. What do you pay for green? Yeah, and they're, and, 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 and green, a is a a, green is a smiley face and red is a frowny it face. Is. So what do you pay for green smiley and what do you pay for red frowny? Yeah, I don't know. know. For some people, green smiley might be free and for other people it might be $25. And that could be a significant yeah. difference as to whether you can access that medicine. And so I try not to prescribe the red ones. But it's, it's really hard to know. And sometimes it's not accurate. So we don't know all of that to say, we don't know what you're going to have to pay. And one of the things that I think has driven good people in white coats out of this business is trying to figure out how to help patients navigate this insurance system because you want to help people you came into this to help people and you just keep seeing the barrier to being able to help people so a typical day in the life of amber and Mm -hmm. i is person comes in we prescribe them the medicine that we know is going to be remarkable for them and help them in many ways Then we get a call from the patient who's frustrated with us because we assume them to be a millionaire because they can't afford the medicine. And we get a call from the pharmacy saying you need to do a prior off if you want to have this medicine. And the pharmacies will frequently say to the patient, "Um, your doctor needs to do a prior off and pretend like if we fill out five pages of forms that then it will be covered at 100 percent. We have done thousands, oh. if not tens of thousands of prior ops in our career, and about 20% of them actually get the patient the medicine. The other 80%, we fill out five pages or, of forms and
1: nothing comes of it. Or the medicine's with the prior authorization it's covered but it's then 300 dollars. right it's a tier three expensive medication and there's all this
0: language like tier three that no one knows well what does that mean what does that cost but in your formulary book it will say these are your tier one medicines these are your tier two and i would say to anyone who says i don't either have or want to spend a lot of money on my on my prescriptions bring your formulary book or on your phone to your doctor's visit. And when I say you have diabetes and I need to start you on a medicine, you should whip out that formulary and we can look at the diabetes medicines and it'll be listed under diabetes. And and I can choose the one that I think will be best for you that is cost effective for you. But otherwise, we do this back and forth thing where then we try a different medicine when we hear that that one wasn't paid. That one gets denied. Or, like different pharmacy, pharmacy, right? or a different pharmacy. <laughs> we try to go on GoodRx. We're looking at all these different options. And it takes a week or two of back and forth before the patient gets any medicine. Yeah. Um, and it's extremely frustrating and time consuming. Um, and it's really because the patient doesn't know what medicines will be covered. And we don't have access to your formulary book. You
2: do. No. Yeah. I think that's the that's one of the common misconceptions is that the doctor and the insurance company are somehow in colluding and really no we're kind of actually adversary parties and my husband's a psychiatrist so how many vacations have we spent where he's like I gotta get on and you know call in another med because my my you know my patient's panicking because they can't get what they need from Walgreens and I gotta call CVS and so I totally I totally get that and the formularies change and so do the in and out of network pharmacies right uh, so you, you may not be able to get a hold of that. Formul- formulary booklet, but you can always access it on the website of your insurance. And um, depending, like if you have insurance or your company, there's often an app that's customized to your plan. If you're on the marketplace like me, the app isn't as helpful, but the website for me for United Healthcare is actually extremely helpful. And one thing that's new that I think we should talk about is transparency pricing, which has gotten a really bad rap in the benefits world. Um, which is kind of my side, like my side expertise. I used to be a benefit, so I understand, you know, I had to know how benefits work. Transparency pricing is a law that was passed in response to some of this that says a a patient has to be able to figure out what this is going to cost them through their insurance, depending on where they go. And I mentioned earlier that, you know, I paid $4,000 to have my gallbladder out this year, which was uh, it, as we're kind of talking, uh, I went to my primary care. I love her. She's a family nurse practitioner. So I pay less to see her than I would pay to see an MD, which is another thing to know, right? Um, it, it, depending on how your insurance company allows that to be billed. But um, I, I, she referred me to a surgeon that she knows personally. She's an excellent surgeon. She does these laparoscopic surgeries all the time. I go see her. She schedules me at the hospital. I don't even think about it because I'm like, this is in network. I've done my research. I've checked on the anesthesia to make sure that since I know the anesthesiologist is going to be out of network, because they're never in network, (laughs) that I had uh, a stopgap request in place so that um, United Healthcare would at least cover the cost that they would cover for in network. And then I negotiated with the anesthesiology office to. to, for balance billing to make sure they didn't just be, bill me the balance that my insurance wouldn't cover um, or at least what if they did there was a a cap, a cap on that. So all of these things I learned through prior <laughs> big bills and and just like wanting to stab somebody because I ended up having to pay a big bill that I shouldn't have had to pay. but after the surgery was scheduled and about a week before and I had all this preparation in place, my mom was coming to take care of me because my husband was going to be out of town for work. I went on my website, United Healthcare website, and I searched laparoscopic, cholesteroctomy, whatever it's called, (laughs) gallbladder removal. And it showed me four other facilities in my area that would charge $1,500 to do this. And I was paying whatever the local hospital, which is one of the, uh, it's a privately owned hospital that is known for adverse billing practices. Mm.
1: So let me
0: step back real quick, Kelly, to help people who may be listening to this First of all, when you were doing your research, were you calling? Uh, how did who did you even know how, uh, to call to
2: try to do your research? Great question. So I started with my the my um my insurance website. So I just logged in as a member, and I, there's you know benefits and procedures. I, I just searched the name of of the procedure. There's there are actually a lot of really there's a lot of really good information on the the site. Then I called. My insurance company, I called the member number. Shockingly, I didn't have to be on hold. Like I got someone and I've called them multiple times. They actually answered the phone. So we have this built up in our mind from calling the cable company that we're gonna have to wait an hour, but actually the insurance company often takes your call. They told me what the terminology was and my doctor had to request it. And then I I called the hospital billing department who had already contacted me. They had already contacted me to collect my down payment. (laughs) So I called them back. And I said, who do you use for anesthesiology? And they gave me the number of the local. And typically most communities have just one company that provides anesthesiologists. So you could also probably just Google it. And I I requested their billing department. And I just said, um, you know, what would you bill me for this? And they wanted the CPT code, which what does CPT even stand for?
0: Oh, what does Aisha know this? Yeah, um, I just
1: call it CPT.
2: I just call it CPT. when
0: I Google okay. it's code. a procedure code. It's, it's a procedure, procedure code. Treatment,
2: maybe? Uh, it's procedure. something
0: procedure, but it's a procedure okay. code. So for like a surgery or a procedure. So I,
2: I think it's helpful for people who like that. There's so much jargon. Like CPT code is basically jargon for like a six-digit number. Right, and, tells- and
0: uh, whoever is referring you for the procedure can always give you that CPT code or whoever's yes. going to perform it.
2: Yes. And so I had to call back and get that. And then I called the MCG company back again because she wasn't going to do me any favors. I had to have the code. And then she said, okay, this is what we'll bill through United Healthcare, And this is what we'll bill if you're self-pay. And, if, and often self-pay is less expensive than through your network. But if you have met your deductible or you are at your out of pocket, it's not a, you don't, care as much because it's still going to be lower. Um, and that's why they have these billing practices because they assume that you aren't bearing the full cost and that you're going to be sharing that with your insurance company. And that's um, so, so you do have to become. this is a um, somebody who doesn't work two jobs type of solution. You right. Know, if you're right. you're working this all the time, time. but, it, but it's potentially
0: that. worth thousands of dollars if you do your homework like this. So what I'm hearing you say that I think is, is really useful advice is, First, everyone needs to know how to access their insurance company. They need to have the information on their phone, the website, the app, and they need to be utilizing that. And they can save themselves thousands of dollars potentially by being able to tap into that. And second, calling the insurance company and asking your specific questions is a great way to get information. We guide people to do that all the time. You can't act, you can't get this medicine or you're concerned about the cost of this, call your insurance company.
1: Well, in some insurance companies, like when my dad was ill, I knew that most insurance companies have a nurse line. And I told my mom, I said, some of them will pay for dad's diabetic supplies you do, they have programs. And so once a month, the nurse calls, my dad talks to her, but then they were pl- paying for his um, blood glucose supplies. And so sometimes those are tell yeah. patients access that nurse line, like there's a reason they have that there um, and use the benefits that they offer. Um, and that might help with some of the cost of things like diabetes supplies or yeah. you know, blood pressure or whatever. Yeah, and that's you learn
0: what you are actually paying for, yeah. what
1: you can have access to.
0: And then to clarify a little bit of what Kelly has said, Um, Hospitals can be in-network, but hospitals subcontract hospitalists, they subcontract ER teams, they subcontract anesthesiologists, and those people can be- Radiologists. Radiologists, (laughs) thank you. And those people can be out-of-network. And so when you do your homework, it is important to know which hospital is in your network, but when you get there, if the ER team, if you, you know, and Kelly had the, the luxury, if I dare say, of having an elective surgery where she could have some time before, if you have an urgent or emergent situation and you get to the emergency room, the hospital may be a network, the ER doctor may not. The radiologist who read the CT scan may not. Um, I personally, this is this is just personal me and I am not a politician, nor will I ever be one, but i I. I fully believe that this is irresponsible, that if a hospital is a network, I don't know that that building is of much service to people. It is the humans working inside that building that need to be in network. So if by chance a politician happens to listen to this podcast, (laughs) I would greatly appreciate you fixing this um, or, you know, at least taking steps in this direction. But it is yet another thing that you have to ask. So don't assume all of this is to say it's a broken system. Don't assume that because the building is a network that the specific people you need, the anesthesia and the surgeon, you need to ask about for these um, procedures that you have the time to look into. And as I say, going to the emergency room, that brings up a little bit too about emergency rooms are very expensive. A lot of stuff happens in emergency rooms and they are truly for medical emergencies. Not everyone went to med school and knows the difference between an emergency or not. If you're at home and you're feeling like, I don't feel right, that can feel like an emergency to you. Um, But there are times where people will call us. I think your primary care is a good place to start to say, this is what's going on. And if we say, go on to the emergency room, no need to stop here, time is valuable, then that's what you need to do. And it helps to in advance know what what emergency rooms are in network for you. Um, And if you are at home and you have um, a minor infection, you're concerned that maybe you have a urinary tract infection. A rash. A a rash that you're breathing, everything's fine, you don't feel like impending doom, but you need to see a, a medical professional and your doctor's office is closed or they don't have an appointment available for you. Then an urgent care is often a more financially responsible um, decision and going to cost you a good amount less in your insurance plans. And you can look in the websites and other things and look at what your cost for an ER visit versus your cost for an urgent care or your primary care is
2: going to be. When, when I fell down the steps and sprained my, sprained my ankle, thankfully, but I didn't know at the time, the day before leaving on my birthday trip to the Grand Caymans, (laughs) The first thing I did was get on my app and look up the closest urgent care center that had an X-ray machine. Yes, you're about to spend all that money on vacation, girl. Do not spend it on the ER. I am not sitting in the ER for nine hours and paying a thousand dollars to find out whether or not I broke my ankle. I paid hundred and fifteen dollars, and I think watches. that's
0: such an important point. I think people think orthopedic things are um, have to be in the emergency room. Our local orthopedics, and I think a lot of orthopedics around the country are doing this now, our local orthope- orthopedics have an urgent care. And so when you have a possible sprain versus fracture or need to know right now, your local orthopedic office during the hours that they're open, going to their urgent care is going to get you better care because you're likely going to see someone who's ortho-trained and in the ER, you may not even have access to someone who's ortho-trained.
2: Common complaint in my community, I went to the ER at this hospital and I left with a splint and referral to an orthopedic surgeon. (laughs) Yes, and so you paid that (laughs) that ER,
0: they probably did an x-ray to say broken, and now you still have to go over and pay the the orthopedic cost. Yeah, absolutely.
1: You just mentioned common complaint, and so we kind of surveyed some of our um, billing staff here at our clinic and then some of our patients, and so we just have some kind of like rapid fire questions that we're going to throw at you. You cool with that? Let's do it. All sure. right. So, which we talked about this one a little bit, but why must I select a primary care in-network with my insurance plan? You mentioned earlier as well about the um, in-network pharmacies. Can you talk about those things? We kind of have
0: yeah, mentioned it a good is, bit.
1: You know, in-network, how do you figure it out? Why does it
0: matter?
2: So primary care physician is, to, to use a sports analogy because it's the simplest, I could not think of another one, is your quarterback. And the quarterback is the- I like the, that. The, I like to be the quarterback. <laughs> The, is the, is the team member that knows what every other position is supposed to do, and they know what the play is, and they understand the game, and that's why they're the highest paid, they're the most famous, and this <laughs> <positions. laughs> <laughs> well, is the same. That part is not true. But we're most famous. Yeah. We, we like, like the <laughs> famous part. We're aspiring <laughs> yeah. to that. But you you're probably a rock star in your patients' homes. You just don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> so they are. There to make sure that you are not being subjected to excessive testing. They they're gonna remember that, like, oh Kelly, you have this, you know, coexisting core they call it a core morbidity, right? Co-coexisting condition. So you don't need to go see that doctor. You need this this blood test. So um, it just helps to reduce costs for everybody. And and when we think of our insurance paying for stuff, you know, we shouldn't get too excited because we all pay those costs. We pay our premiums and our premiums go up because people are using the services. So you know, saving costs all around helps all of us. Um and and it's just it's just nice to have a, a professional who understands medicine to know this. Um and then the In Network Pharmacy is really um I'm gonna drop a, a book that I think is is perspective changing called the um the price we pay. It's written by a surgeon um who did a lot of research through Johns Hopkins on how costs are done. And one of the things he uncovered is these pharmacy benefit managers, which are kind of the middlemen, um, so, each each large insurance company has their own. So, there's CVS Caremark, there's Optum. Um, they are the ones who negotiate how all the drugs work. And so, even like your doctor doesn't have anything to do with it, your, your employer doesn't have anything to do with it, and they're kind of the middlemen and they set the prices. And so, of course, if you have um, a, a United Healthcare plan, you're probably going to have Optum and they have their preferred pharmacies. Well, they don't love CVS because that's their competitor. So, CVS may not even be a network for you. Um, and and they, they have special deals with different pharmacies, so it's really just um, how the money works, and um, it's not necessarily positive for us as patients. But knowing which pharmacies are in the market, but also I I meant to mention this earlier when if your doctor gives you a, a med, you, you mentioned pull up your your formulary. I the first thing I do is pull up GoodRx, like where is this cheapest because. Since I have a high deductible and I know I'm going to be paying whatever the cost is, I want to know where the cheapest it is. Now, when I use GoodRx, that's then the cost of the med is not applied towards my deductible. But if it's five hundred and twelve dollars through my insurance versus thirty six dollars through GoodRx, I don't really care. And yeah.
0: if people aren't familiar, Google GoodRx, um, and it will, and you put in your zip code and you type in whatever medicine that you have a prescription for, Um, sometimes it's best our patients will say, can you just print me a prescription? I wanna walk out with a prescription Mm -hmm. in hand because then I'm gonna do my homework. I'll pull up GoodRx and it'll list if I'm paying cash. Now, this is not when you're using your insurance. If I'm paying, if I'm, you know, self-pay for this, then um, the different pharmacies, it can be hundreds of dollars between different pharmacies. And it can be cheaper, you know, if you've been getting medicines and you have medicines for chronic diseases, pull up GoodRx and see if it's cheaper to not go through your insurance. Because sometimes if you say, don't run this one through my insurance, I wanna use this coupon through GoodRx, it'll be cheaper that way too, it's great advice. And I I just wanna tag in as you were talking about the primary care being your quarterback, um, it is so important to have a primary care because Um, primary cares are stretched very thin and often don't have a million open appointment spots and if you are without a primary care it's going to be difficult to be seen when you have an urgent thing going on but if you are well known to your primary care you get availability to some of those appointments that you may not if this is not a place that um you have established with the people there. So make sure you have a primary care to use as your quarterback and to be able to access, to go there instead of having to go to an urgent care ER.
2: The first thing I do is with a new insurance plan is sign up for my annual visit with the primary care I'm going to be to establish myself as a patient. doesn't cost me anything. It's covered by insurance. Get to know each other. And then when I do have an issue, it's a lot easier to get in. I do the same thing with my pets. You know, getting them into a veterinarian, <laughs> you don't want to wait. You don't want to have them like peeing blood before. Yeah. Right, right. I'm like, oh, sorry. Our first appointment for new patients is in two weeks. You're like,
0: oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, next question, Kelly, from uh, our patients and common things our billers or that we hear about. What's the difference between a co-payment, co-insurance, and a deductible?
2: Ooh, okay, so we talked about deductible, which is the amount you have to pay before you get any benefit. If you have a deductible, then you also have co-insurance. And that's once you've met your deductible, then that's a percentage of the cost that your insurance will pay. And the percentage that they'll pay, you know, the lower that the percentage they pay, the lower your premium will be. So you might see, um, as you're looking at your plan, you might see you know $1,500, 30-70. That means that your insurance will pay 70% of the bill once you've met your $1,500 deductible and you have to pay 30%. So if you go to the doctor, it's $100. The for, Until you've met your deductible, it's $100. Then you get your co-insurance. you're in a 70-30 plan, the insurance will pay 70, you pay 30. And then um, co-payment is actually um, kind of, aside from those two things. And sometimes you have a deductible and a copayment. So it's just like a, a set amount of money that you're gonna pay for specific services. And this is way, way like kind of old school insurance always worked. So it usually it was like $20 to go to your primary care, $30 for a specialist, $50 for the ER, $40 for, the, um, for urgent care. And it will say on your card if you have a copay. And you just know that when you go to the doctor's office, you're gonna to have to pay that amount at the desk. But if you don't have a co-payment, then you wait until you get your bill to find out what you're going to owe. And usually the person checking you in doesn't know. And so that's when you have to do your research ahead of time through your insurance. Um, And and again, being tech savvy and going online is, is the simplest way to do that.
0: Kelly, one more question from our patients. Why am I receiving an additional bill for a service when I was advised to bring a specific amount at the time of my
2: appointment? This has happened to me. Uh, and it's typically when you, it's not a copay situation. It's when you're either co-insurance and, and your doctor's office simply doesn't know what the insurance company is going to allow them to bill. And so the amount that you're requested to bring ahead of time is kind of like a down payment, a deposit. And then the balance is, is what they ended up, you know, the insurance didn't cover. Um, so when I, I, I leg leg scans regularly because I get um, deep vein thrombosis blood clots on my legs so when I go to the hospital for that appointment because luckily I can schedule those um, they'll say okay we think this is gonna be nine hundred but um but we're not sure where you are even you have you met your deductible we're not sure so wh- why don't you give us three hundred dollars and then you'll get a bill later for the balance and so it's not because your doctor is trying to you know get you for all they can. It's it's literally, they don't know. And unfortunately, you do need to kind of plan for those bills to come in in the future.
0: Yeah. And I really appreciate you saying that because the lack of transparency with insurance companies does not just exist between the person who has the insurance. It is just as much a lack of transparency with the physician's offices or the radiology services, the hospitals, those types of things as well.
2: But you can now look that stuff up for what it would typically be billed through your your insurance website now with this transparency pricing rules, which is really helpful. So even that, like I said, my gallbladder surgery would have cost fifteen hundred dollars. I still might not have been billed fifteen hundred dollars if I had hit my deductible before then. But that's what they would be billed. That was what United Healthcare allows them to charge for that. And between United Healthcare and I, we're gonna pay that.
0: Kelly, you have given us a great deal of information. I think really being able to empower people in an area that people feel very little power in, trying to figure out how insurance works and how to best navigate it. Um, If you were to just leave with any piece of advice um, as people listen to this and think, well, okay, what do I need to do moving forward to uh, be successful in navigating insurance? What would be your closing words?
2: I would uh, just say make sure you think of insurance, again, as a discount program and not as something that's going to pay all of your bills. And uh, as much as you can, find out ahead of time what costs are to help you in choosing providers, particularly when you're going to a hospital.
0: Super helpful. Thank you so much, Kelly. And we really appreciate everyone listening. And hopefully there was a piece of information to walk away that saves people some money and stress moving forward in navigating this difficult situation that is insurance. Thank you. We like to leave you on a good note. So here's today's Tell Me Something Good. Something good is mistakes. We all make them, none of us are perfect. And I like to think of mistakes as opportunities. Opportunities to learn, opportunities to be humble and to grow. So embrace the next mistake you make. I expect mine will be in the next five minutes. Thanks for listening and take care of yourself.